Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. As a child gymnast and later a dancer, Alyssa Rapp, Chief Executive Officer and Director of Healthwell Acquisition Corporation, learned early on about discipline. It carried her through her life and into her career. As the author of the book, Leadership and Life Hacks, Insights from a Mom, Wife, Entrepreneur, and Executive, Alyssa shares her insights about getting the best out of your day. Alyssa is a believer that we are all responsible for setting the tone for our days. She makes her needs a priority and puts the oxygen mask on herself first so that she can serve her family, friends, and coworkers better. She also values her quiet time and gets through the tough situations by managing expectations. Alyssa also shares with us her principle of mission, vision, and values. She says that it's vital for everyone in an organization to share common goals and transparency. When she gives her all, she finds that it inspires others to do the same. Join us to learn a lot of life hacks and help you be more focused, fearless, and organized. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. And like I love to say, you know, you're one of Brooke's dear friends. So you're one of my friends automatically, but I loved getting to know a little bit more about you and, um, you know, did my own research and learned about your book and the amazing leadership hacks that you share and all of that fun stuff. And so we thought, what better way to share this with our audience than to bring you on and do that with us. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit about your story, what you've learned along the journey, and really at the end of the day too, like what was that driving force to also write that book and share that knowledge? I'm all about the transfer of knowledge. I live it and love it. Um, and I always admire individuals who've written books to kind of share that knowledge that they have. So would love for you to tell us your story, your journey, and all about that. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here. I, I, um, I'll answer the last question first. Why write a book called Leadership and Life Hacks Insights from a Mom, Wife, Entrepreneur, and Executive? Uh, I had at that point in my career been, a, I'd gone to college at Yale and come back to Chicago and worked in as the national finance director for a U.S. congresswoman and then catapulted myself west to Stanford Business School, where I fell in love with two things, my now husband of uh, a zillion years and, and my first business idea, and then toiled for a decade as a SiliconValley.com entrepreneur Mm. From five to 15, and then did some advisory work for two family offices and two private equity firms after we had our second daughter, a lot of twos, uh, also in Silicon Valley and started teaching at Stanford Business School. And then when we moved back to Chicago for family reasons uh, in in the in 2018, I ended up at the helm of a private equity-backed healthcare company called Surgical Solutions, which was a classic, classic business turnaround circumstance and an extraordinary journey. And as I had negotiated and accepted that role, 
I, it was December of 17 and we'd been back in Chicago a few months and was wrapping up projects and had done a lot of flying for teaching and was then settling in into winter break and, you know, had a kindergartner and a preschooler and, and yes. accepted this big job. And I looked in the mirror and I said, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? It was the imposter syndrome extraordinaire moment. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, I'm taking on this big job and a big turnaround and an industry I've never operated in. I better I better start picking up the phone and calling some people to figure out, you know, best in class tips and tricks for turnarounds. So mm-hmm. read some books, took some notes, then went ahead and um started thinking about my own life history and what are the skills I had gained and insights I gained about myself and about leadership even from being a serious uh child athlete in gymnastics 3 hours a day, 6 days a week for 10 years, mm. dancer in high school and college, you know, 20 hours a week as a as an athlete in other ways, what were the things in terms of my character that prepared me for that moment? And what were the skills and educational preparedness, et cetera, I could bring to the table to actually get this done right. So over the course of the first year and a half at my at my time at Surgical Solutions, those notes and reflections ended up forming themselves for a couple of articles and for Forbes. Mm-hmm. And when those articles went out and Forbes took notice Forbes books approached me about writing a book Mm. and I would never have written the book if I hadn't had an extraordinary editor who I really think of as a partner in that her name is Brie Barton and she's a fiction writer by day so we also the process of writing that book was uh people like to marvel at it was it was a hack in and of itself we had Mm. two articles that were the foundation of two chapters uh pivot versus quit and, and another and then I ended up coming up, you know, Brie and I architected what the outline of that book would be. And then, of course, the intro and the conclusion, as you know, from being a creator of content yourself, kind of come at the end, they write themselves. Mm -hmm. And so once we had really six chapters to fill in in between, she and I sat down literally in person in six cities, uh, six different places for a day. And I told my story into Rev the app. It was then transcribed. Transcript came back. I took a pass. She took a pass. I took a pass. She took a pass. The hacks came out and, you know, leadership and life hacks, insights from a mom, wife, entrepreneur, and executive was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a, it was a, I didn't move to a hut and and think about my life for six months and write it all on a <laughs> with a burning candle. It was a, it was a very active live integrated into my life process. And I, um, I'm grateful for the time I took because sometimes I have to remind myself of some of those hacks and and mm-hmm. and life tips. You know, walk the walk. You know, practice what you preach, if you will, and they're useful yes. for me. And it's also a useful tool for conversations like this. So happy mm-hmm. to happy to get more in any of the career phases you'd like. But that that was the that was as it relates to the book the the intro. That's phenomenal, and I love how you broke that down because it, you know people do have this you know, this idea or this preconceived notion that, like you said, someone goes off into like a writing cabin in the woods for however many months. And uh, and it really doesn't happen that way. And you have to like, think about what are the smart cuts? How do you actually like do that and integrate it into work and life? And so I loved um, what you said around um, you know, you you mentioned this it, kind of like in your book of like you're not going to tell anybody they can have it all. Um, you you can you could have it all, but not at the same time. Um, and there's no such thing as this work life balance. I mean, we try to blow that out of the water all the time. And I think it's work life integration. Yeah, for sure. And when I thought about your questions leading into this conversation about you know clarity and courage and and conviction and all the uh, commitment and all the C's I also care about. You know, the clarity I had in writing the book was two-pronged, but the, probably the most iconic 
or iconoclastic really hack in the book is this idea of episodic versus daily balance mm. that yes. I don't, if I, I think about all the key stakeholders I, I care about in my life, and there are several, I think about my spouse, I think about my husband, I think about my children, I think about my parents, I think about the students I teach at Stanford and at Booth Business Schools, I think about the key stakeholders, board and investors in my SPAC today, I think about mm-hmm. The companies with whom we're negotiating. I think about the boards on which I serve as independent directors. I think about the civic work I do as a school board member and on and on and on. If I woke up every day trying to be the perfect mother, daughter, wife, sister, best friend, teacher, board member, and you know, at all, I would be paralyzed by inaction because there's just too many people mm-hmm. to satisfy in any given day. So I the, the idea I put forth in, in the book that I actually also try to live my life by, mm-hmm. importantly, is this idea of picking two key stakeholders in any given day. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that if that day I'm going to try to be a dynamite CEO and really excellent you know, lecturer at, at any of the top business schools that I'm ignoring my spouse, ignoring my children, mm-hmm. or even my parents. But if I'm nailing those two stakeholders that day, they really are my priority. And I have to trust that the system has enough slack and that my children's life and the, and the preparedness gone in preparation got into it that their lives will continue to march on and then mm-hmm. similarly if it's a day where i have to be a terrific mom and a terrific ceo or a terrific board member and a terrific mom that i have to understand that i'm going to that that's what i'm prioritizing mm-hmm. and that over a handful of days you widen the aperture of time mm-hmm. to think about how can i be all whom i want to be to my husband, to my children, to my students, to my team members, to my boards, or to the board, you know, CEOs on whose boards I serve, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Then if over several days or weeks, I can achieve this elusive notion of balance, but not in a right. single day. And the other point of clarity I got in writing the book was something I knew was a habit of mine, but I knew it, but I, I hadn't, it, it had never been as reinforced for me as obviously as putting it in black and white ink is that it is no one's obligation as working multidimensional women to put our own oxygen masks on first, but ourselves. Mm. It is no one's job to set the tone of my day, but me. And yeah. so for me, the mnemonic devices I use are super motivational, you know, posters in my gym. I've got, you know, my favorite, most recent fortune cookie saying on the bottom of my phone, a quote on the bottom of my laptop, that's on me. I have mm-hmm. to set the tone in the course of my day. And I believe it is my responsibility to schedule in time for myself to do one thing every day that's restorative. For mm-hmm. me, that's working out. It's vanity, not sanity. It's just, it's sanity, not vanity. I said it in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> but no Freudian slip there, I promise. Um, you know, it really is sanity, not vanity, where I have to take the time to do something for me that's like the windshield wiper of the day changing over. Mm-hmm. And I have to do that. I mean, that's as inflexible in my calendar as recording Beyond Barriers podcast. If I put right. it in there from six to seven in the morning, that is what's happening. And I have to, it's like a, you know, the toothpaste tube of life. I have to squeeze in before I get down to the gym, um, you know, making the kids' lunches, getting their breakfast ready, et cetera. And afterwards I'll, you know, check in with my spouse who's now awake and and, you know, right. triage the inbox that's already exploding. Yes, all those things need to happen. But at the end of the day, I have to put my own oxygen mask on first. That's what I do for me. And I have friends who walk their dog, co- coffee staring at the ocean, journal, meditate. I have, there are so many ways to put your own oxygen mask on first. I'm not being prescriptive, but the idea that clarity I got in writing the book, those two things that seek episodic versus daily balance mm-hmm. and hold yourself ac- accountable. Can't ignore a stakeholder forever and expect them to still remain an important stakeholder. Right. right? Uh-huh. And then separately, put your own oxygen mask on first every day, every mm. single day. And that is a responsibility to yourself. Because if you can't do that, 
then how do you, if I can give that one hour to myself every day, then I can give the other 23 to other people, but I can't, I have to do something for me. And otherwise I am not, I don't have the stores to give everything I need to everybody. Mm. Those are the two really important pieces of clarity in writing the book I got for me. Yeah, that's fantastic advice, especially the putting the the oxygen mask on. And because what we find and and we see it all the time and in all the reports and the data of the, you know, burning the candle at both ends and then there's no candle. (laughs) What do you do then? Um, What you you shared another um, you made another comment where you you talked about the episodes and I love, you know, it really is aligned to kind of what we, you know, coach here at Beyond Bears, where we talk about like, you know, there are the you know, you're talking about family and, you know, work and all of these different stakeholders and you focus on two stakeholders that week. Can you talk a little bit about how you manage expectations with the stakeholders that you've kind of like, you know, put on hold, like you said, family or whatever. Um, Do you have conversations sometimes where you tell family like, Hey, this is a really big week and I have, these are my two things I'm focusing on. So the way that sometimes the way that you can be helpful is like, you know, is kind of like, don't rock the boat for me. Like, you know, I'm going to have to focus here. How do you, how do you manage those expectations with other stakeholders? So, you know, I think it depends on the stakeholder, right? We have, a, yes. my, Hal and I have a 10 year old and a seven year old daughter at this point. And we, um, yesterday was a perfect example. I, I had, and my husband had coincidentally been on the road for an entire week for work, which is mm-hmm. atypical, but a long time. So that whole week, it was me and the au pair and the kids, you know, the, the juggling act. And he's an extra, extraordinarily engaged and, and wonderful mm-hmm. spouse and, and father. So his absence was felt by all, but we all, you know, <laughs> we didn't. And so I said to him quite honestly, like, listen, I have a dire board meeting for my spec. I'm going to schedule it for Sunday. I also had agreed, you know, to, to do a membership committee meeting for another organization I'm on in the afternoon that were like squarely in the middle of kid activities, which I would normally never do on a Sunday, mm-hmm. so, but I need your support today. I know you've been gone. I want to spend time with you too, but I need to like be locked in the study on Zooms or in this live meeting for this hour and a half in the morning and this hour in the afternoon. Can mm-hmm. you please be super dad and do that juggling? Cause our au pair was also on vacation that day and like manage all that into the kids. Girls, we had a huge day yesterday. We were together at four different activities instead of two, whether it was horseback riding or tennis or swimming or ice mm-hmm. skating at Maggie Daly Park and a you know birthday party, the whole nine yards. So we were together all day and I cherish that time with you. And we also had a lot of good mommy daughter time this week. But like for Sunday, normally I'm with you. This day, daddy's going to have to run you around because mommy's got work and I really can't be interrupted. And, I, mm-hmm. and I, I can't wait to spend more time with you on the other side of this. But like today is the day and with kids, it's being direct. I try to be direct, mm, and with yes. with the sacred time for me in the morning, they're awake or they're waking up. I mean, it's early because that's what works better for us. But in mm-hmm. me, but personally, but I also like make sure their breakfast is ready before I disappear into the gym for an hour. I also make sure we have a plan of what, who's doing which homework in that morning, and if timers need to be set, etc. I am participatory. I don't ignore them, but I try to set clear expectations and boundaries, mm-hmm. if you will, of what what's going to happen, and then. Mm-hmm. And, and, expectations better than boundaries. And if you need me, you know where I am, but here's mm-hmm. what will happen for these 60 minutes. And one daughter sometimes says, well, I'm going to do my reading now. Or one says, I'm going to eat breakfast now and then play. And whatever it is, it's the expectations of clarity. And then mm-hmm. needless to say, always doing what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And for my parents, you know, they, I, I, I'm not always available on demand, but I, again, as always like try to show up, do what I say I'm going to do. And 
they're older now and sometimes need more help than others, but in time than others, but usually that can be more episodic, the intervals in between, right? The children intervals right. are very narrow between. And then with my spouse, you know, we have a, I love spending one-on-one time with him and I, I wish we had more of it. And right now we're just both mm-hmm. working little kids and the, the, the struggle is real, but we try to punch out and take time. I, I have friends who do weekly date night. I mean, that's a fantasy and an amazing thing. We do better with punching out for a day or two together, right? Mm-hmm. Like extracting us from the environment and spending quality time together and then right. and back in. And it's not to say that we don't spend quality time together in a given day or week, but to me, quality time is like a glass of wine with no noise. No distractions, right? right? <laughs> that, that does It does not have to be fancy and it does not have... Fancy is fun, but it, I mean, just the quiet is mm-hmm. to me at this point in my life, given where I am in the in the fulcrum of life, um, is to me the cherished time. So the answer to your question, I gave you some long-winded examples, is I am honest with the stakeholders when I feel like they are going to need to not, when their expectations need to be set where they're not the priority for that day right. or that half a day. And then similarly, I say to my and even our au pair who supports us, of course, through all that, like I'm going to teach now at Booth for three hours. Mm-hmm. My phone will be on and it is only to be used if it's a literal, God forbid, dire emergency. I mm-hmm. will not, or I am on an airplane for these four hours. I cannot help you. So here's right. what I'm going to try to set you up for success in those four hours. And here's what I hope will happen. And and I guess the, that's a lot, can't control it all. Life's going to be life, but mm-hmm. I try to be... Um, in my work and in my personal life, have a, it's a, I, I take a team-oriented approach. Mm-hmm. Yes, I might be setting the course you know, with vision, mission, and values in either element of my life, and that's my mm-hmm. job, particularly professionally. And in our home, it's it's shared leadership, but it's also here are what we're trying to achieve together. Each human being has passion and purpose, mm-hmm. each of us. And hopefully we as a team can continue to support each other to achieve their passion and purpose. And mommy and daddy are here to support you children. And mommy and daddy have their own obligations, their own things they need to do that sometimes require you to fall on the line and do, you know, do as asked. And yeah. and I think that that's, I guess it's with clear communication is the very simple answer to your question is how we try. It doesn't always work perfectly, but it's how we endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's, that's, and I love how you said expectations, setting the expectations rather than boundaries, because I think boundaries trips up a lot of people where they feel like boundaries are like just too harsh or too like, you know, line in the sand. But, you know, just managing expectations of like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, and it's and I think part of it is having the courage to kind of, like you said, be just very direct and like, here's here's what it is. Right. Um, I think that's super powerful. And the choice yeah. to prioritize yourself, right? Yes. I, I I have no guilt about working out for an hour a day. I have mm. zero. And not even I love that. Yes. Mom guilt. I have a I have more guilt of like, oh, I agreed to do this membership committee for this organization. And it's going to take me away from them for two hours on a Sunday. Like that, that's where yeah, I, I do a little bit more of the equal arm balance, but I made a commitment. I got to stick to it because we in this family do what we say we're going to do. Mm-hmm. That's like super important to me because it's a hack in the book, but it's a more of a life life philosophy. Like I believe showing up matters mm-hmm. period yes. in person and, and fully present. And I believe doing what you say you're going to do matters even more. So that's the mm. part that they, you know, the role modeling and the seeing, but also, you know, that also means that for me to be able to be who I need to be in all the different hats I wear, I have, I have to eat clean food. I have to work out. I have to do what I need to do for me. And right. that's not easy I think for people, I, I hear when I give talks in corporations or any other environment, to women in particular, which is the how do you 
manage to prioritize yourself, I have a very simple answer to that. Schedule everything. Yes. Yes. If I'm having a 30-minute Zoom coffee or wine, glass of wine with a girlfriend, it's in the calendar. If mm-hmm. I'm just like your piano lessons in the calendar, just like, you know, mm-hmm. dad getting up airplane for work is in the calendar. If I'm working out from six to seven in the morning, it's in the calendar. And mm-hmm. it's the choice part. Now, and once it becomes your habit, it's not hard to stick to, but making the choice to prioritize you and put it in the calendar and stick to it. That's the choice. Mm-hmm. Once you start doing it, it's, it's much easier to, to stick to that life habit, mm-hmm. but scheduling everything is to me, the helpful way to commit yourself to doing it. Yeah, because there's only so many hours in the day and you can say, oh, I want to do this. And in what do you think about? So I love that you're scheduling. And because there's only 24 hours in the day or like 10 hours in your day, you have to mix both personal and professional things in there. Right. And so gone are the days of really having the two task lists of like a work task list and a personal task list, because you know which one gets thrown to the side when, you know, push comes to shove. So I think that is so powerful that you said is like schedule it. If it's in the calendar that and stick to it and hold yourself accountable. Yep. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Let's talk a little bit about, you talked about the mom guilt. Mm-hmm. That is something that I would love to for you to share a little bit more about, you know, because I don't think it ever goes away. Um, but you also, like you said, learn how to, there are some things where you're like, I'm putting the oxygen mask on myself. I have no guilt. Right. Um, talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you get to that point where you're like, you know what? I don't feel guilty for taking time for myself. And here's why. Well, I don't do girls weekends. I don't do, I, I I do a little bit every day and I literally Mm -hmm. put the oxygen mask on every day, like, You know, yeah. take the puffer two and then put it back in the, in the, in, in the plane. So I don't uh-huh. take longer extended trips. And I'm not judging anyone who does. I, I admire college mm-hmm. race who do. But my version of it feels like it has to be in movement because it's self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And there are times that I don't want to feel that pang of sadness or longing or missing of something. So a better example would be I had a day trip I had to do to Dallas for a deal two mm-hmm. weeks ago. And there, and our daughter who was having her first, you know, uh, jazz piano concert and I'm sorry, saxophone, she's also mm-hmm. jazz piano, but saxophone band concert, she just started it. It was her choice. And I did not want to miss that. And so the meeting in Dallas was a lunch from 11 to one and then an office visit from two to five. And it was mm-hmm. a day trip for most people still, but I had already done the office visit two weeks prior. I had mm-hmm. I've spent endless amount of time with the team and I like and respect them. However, I being home for that concert mattered to me more than a second office visit, albeit important to the transaction, which is very, very right. important to me and all of our stakeholders, personal and professional. But however, mm-hmm. it being there mattered more. So I was very transparent. I said, my four directors are flying in with me. I'm going to take the 7 a.m. flight in. I'll be there at 9.55 for the 11 a.m. I'll be there for the full two-hour first meeting. And then I'm going to take the 2.33 flight back and land at 5 and get to this concert by 6, you know. Mm-hmm. If United or American Airlines cooperates, which they, you know, right. <laughs> Thank they did. And that wasn't guilt I was willing to incur or or loss. Mm-hmm. That guilt. Right. 
you make choices and I'm not saying they're consequence free choices. I'm mm-hmm. not saying relationships in that for that potential transaction didn't weren't impacted, but I did everything I could to make up for it before and after. And in the end, I decided that that mattered more mm-hmm. and I was going to do whatever I needed to do to be there and, and be present and, and be there for our daughter. And, and I'm really glad I did. And I was grateful it all worked out, obviously. So um, I guess it's about ruthless prioritization is the answer to your mm-hmm. question. And mm-hmm. there are times that in the in the ruthless rank ordering of prioritization, I have to do something for me in order to stay strong and in, in, in mind and body. Mm-hmm. And that, that comes top of the list because if I'm not, if I'm not taking care of myself, who is? Yeah, absolutely. And, and then the second part is, and yet there are times when I'm not willing to incur the sadness or loss of not participating in something for a child or that matter, a spouse. And I'm going to you know, make choices professionally that are trade-offs that are imperfect, but feel right at the time. And that mm-hmm. I don't believe in perfect harmony, but mm-hmm. I believe in uh, making the best choices you can with the information you have about what matters to you most at that moment. And mm-hmm. I I try to listen to that a little, little inner voice on it. And I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty transparent about it, right? I guess mm-hmm. there's a theme of today. When I teach my students at Stanford Business School. I start the class at eight in the morning, five times, five, I do five laps to California to teach from in the whole month of October, you know, 24 hour out and backs. Mm-hmm. And I look at them, I'm like, I have flown across the country mm-hmm. on my own time of dying, away from my family, away from my day job, away from my spouse. I am here in service to you. Mm-hmm. So turn off your laptops, turn off your phones. If I'm here, why am I not here? Why am I here if I'm not giving you everything I've got for these five hours? And mm-hmm. why are you here spending what you're spending, showing up at eight in the morning, if you're not going to give yourself everything you've got? And you watch right. the laptops close and you watch mm-hmm. them go down. And then in class two, they show up two minutes early. And in class three, they show up three minutes early with coffee. And in class four, they're asking you what they can bring you for coffee. Why? Because showing up and being fully present and being transparent about that, and it, it almost demands that of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing in my mind. Yeah. And I love what you said about transparency. I mean, you have to build up the courage to be transparent, right? But the transparency can usually solves everything very, very quickly. And maybe it's painful to say it out loud to that person directly immediately, but you find how much simpler the situation becomes because they understand where you're coming from. You're being transparent and open and honest. And they're like, okay, how do we solve this? Or I understand. And so there's a little bit more understanding that goes with that. Um, so for me, you're, the word transparency just really, it gives you the agency, right? To, to feel empowered to say, I'm making these choices. And I love what you said is that they may be imperfect and imperfect choices, but they were perfect for that moment, right? Um, and I and I think that is really powerful as well. Um, in that, you know, you can make choices regardless of how senior or who you are, like just being transparent, making those choices and knowing that in that moment that choice is the right choice for you right now. And you'll yeah. deal with like navigating later. Yeah. And I'm not saying that their life is consequence free, but I, I and I'm not suggesting you should always prioritize personal over professional. Mm-hmm. And I don't. But I, I you know. There's always a cost benefit analysis, mm-hmm. make it thoughtfully and make it with integrity and then be unapologetic of why, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and then that's it. And that's all she wrote. 
Why can't yeah. I come to your tennis lesson this day? Because I made a commitment to an organization. I was going to be there for something and I need to honor that commitment. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see you after. Like, right. you know, it's one of those right. where. Yeah, I love that. Those... Not an infinite amount of time, mm-hmm. but my husband, who is a professional athlete in a former life in baseball, and it's the final chapter of my book. You know, mm-hmm. it talks about the one thing you can always control is your effort until it's the third out, the ninth inning, keep swinging, and the you know bottom of the ninth, keep swinging. Mm-hmm. And I think that that you know showing up with integrity and showing up and absolutely giving everything your all. Yes. Sometimes it will break your way, and sometimes it won't. But you will never look back, and I and I hope to never look back with regret. Learnings, mm-hmm. painful learnings, hard learnings, but. That's very different than regret. If you leave, if you give it all you've got every day, that that is literally, and to give the best of yourself, and you look in the mirror and you know when you put your head on the pillow at night that you did everything you could for each of that those stakeholders that you prioritized that week, that day, that week, that month, that year. It's not always the perfect outcome, but it is certainly the the one that. I, you know, you can feel good about. And then yes. I think that, that relates to another, you know, hack in the book that people have glommed onto, but I also think is an important re- even reminder for myself. Oftentimes, this idea of not letting perfectionism be the death of progress. Yes. Because I, you know, I would have loved to have had the hour, time, resources, et cetera, to get, you know, not just have blow dry my hair, but like nice makeup on for a podcast here. Would have loved that. Like, mm-hmm. happy to do it. Didn't have the time today. Wasn't going to happen. You had scheduled calls right up until this. So, you know what? We're going with nice hair and no makeup. That's the way it goes. Not perfect. Wish it had been. But, you know, my point yes. being, it can't. If if every moment had to be perfect, you have to. And I don't cut corners and I do the work. So it's, those two things are in some ways in conflict with one another. The two statements I'm about to make. But this idea that 80% isn't enough. I'd always prefer to give everything 90 to 95. But right. Sometimes you're going to have to make do with the 90 and then just keep going. And that right. last percent you wanted to do, but you couldn't like mm-hmm. keep going. Don't DQ yes. yourself. Just keep going. Cause it's, there's, it's just, there's just too much to try to get done in too little time. Yes. And I, I love what you said around perfectionism because the, one of the coping mechanisms is procrastination, right? Of like, you know, you wanting everything perfect, but I don't think that sometimes realize, realize on the flip side, the perception it's creating by others that maybe your procrastination isn't about, you know, perfectionism. They see it as something else, like either you're lazy or you don't know what you're doing. And so you end up shooting yourself in the foot. So really thinking about like, you know, just get it done. Yeah. Um, I have an action bias. Not everyone does. And I'm not saying it's always a good thing, but I, you know, I do believe that nine times out of 10 procrastination is not your friend. In very yes. rare circumstances, the CFO of my SPAC and longtime friend and collaborator, Tracy Wan, often says to me, when everyone else is sprinting is the one time I want you to pull back. And that bit of, you know, archaic wisdom is there's some truth in that, right? Mm-hmm. Take a breath. Yes. Sprint fast and catch up. But there's something to be said. Don't be a lemming and, and pause and think. But alternatively, this idea of analysis paralysis, like, no, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. I've, I've run through different companies. Like there is no piece of time where you're ever going to have perfect information ever. Right. Right. Ever. So all you can do is make the best decision you can with the information you have and keep going. And that's, mm-hmm. and I think, um, I think it's important. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit, Alyssa, you mentioned, 
you know, you've had such a successful career, but you've also pivoted and you've also changed lanes several times, even into industries that you had no experience in. And you talked a little bit about like, you know, which I think is powerful in that you said yes. And then later we're like, you know, the, oh shit, wait a minute. <laughs> like, you know, what do I do? But when you, you know, what helps you make difficult decisions and take those risks? The the little girl who stood at the end of a balance beam, wiggling her toes and visualizing something three times before she swung her arms and went for it. That little girl who has fallen and broken bones and broken, um, you know, spirit. Mm-hmm. I've had lot learned a lot through that the trials and tribulations of that sport. But I learned the most important lesson of all, which is no matter how hard you fall, you can pick yourself up again. Mm. So fear is a healthy emotion. Fear is what gives you in the wild, the spidey senses on the back of your neck when danger is coming to run and and to hide. Mm -hmm. Fear is not an unhealthy sense, but it can be, and it can be a fuel for good. Obviously, as a woman in her 40s, if I'm in a parking lot out of O'Hare walking to my car and I feel uncomfortable and that spidey sense goes up, pay attention to it and make it do something about it, right? Right. I have voice. But in my day-to-day life, like having this conversation with this fund or investor or company or whomever is going to be uncomfortable, right? It's going to be uncomfortable. And I have a little fear around that. My philosophy on that is acknowledge the fear and just move through it, just like mm-hmm. I had to do on the balance beam, which is, I hear you. I hear you in a voice. This is scary. You're ready for this. You've prepared for this. Commit to what? Commit to the end before you start it mm-hmm. and then do. And mm-hmm. that um, that is how I've approached lane changes professionally. And that's how I've uh, in professional pivots, right? Because mm-hmm. I I started a company out of thin air when I was 25 years old, which was a, you know, debatably you know, dubious risky choice. Yes. <laughs> a lovely business partner, Kim Donaldson, and also did a, had an incredible board and the board and the advisory board were industry captains of industry and tech and, and wine. And that was where that first company played. And so the, their credibility and their willingness to believe in me and give their time and lend their names and talent buoyed me, buoyed me, you know, helped guide me in the, in the high times and buoyed me in the low. And then similarly, you know, when it came time to do the advisory work in between the two the venture backed and the PE backed companies, I, I had this theory that the, I had, had a body of work over a decade that had been school of hard knocks learning, sort of like the book. Why well, put mm-hmm. it on paper? I can spare someone else a, one of the bangs on the head that I've with the pot with the frying pan that I've had, then it was worth putting on paper. You know, similar, I said, I, I have an intuition that the work I've done for 10 years is going to be valuable to some people. So why don't I take a couple of years, take a deep breath? Her second daughter was just born. I had no deep breath after Audrey mm-hmm. first. Do advise your work, which is is ended up being demanding and ended up hiring three people. And we ended up with a bunch of really fascinating, fun, inspiring projects by and large. Mm-hmm. I just had, I had faith that the work would be transferable. And then I was fortunate that, you know, and then I believe in this old adage, the yes begets yes. So I did say yes to a small project that turned into a bigger one and, and so on and so forth. And then when it came time to pivot back, so that was serendipity and a little bit of, of mm-hmm. self, I guess, faith and self. And then when it came time to come back and do, this job, the surgical solutions job, I knew I had what I believed would have been a decade of experience running a company and the managerial experience doing something mm-hmm. hard in an industry that I had, was ever changing in a highly regulated environment. And again, surround with a great board, 
great team, great advisors. I said, you know, great private equity backer. I said, you know what? This is totally new. It is going to, but I will do the work. I will get on the planes. I will go to the hospitals, our meet all people, our meet our customers. I will use time-tested strategies that I've read about or learned about and been coached on mm-hmm. how to you know, change management. I can do this thing. It's not because I've, it's because some of the elements I've done before and some of them I'm smarter, wiser, better for it. And I will mm-hmm. integrate those things and hope, you know, give it my all and hope for the best and ended up hiring great people. And, and we ended up doing a really good job. And then with this current professional, I wanted a new challenge. I wanted mm-hmm. to play in a space I'd never played in before. I had never run a public company, albeit a, a shell corporation. I had never, I had raised money before. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, it was pattern matching for my first career experience, not just the second, you know, being an entrepreneur and then the industry of healthcare and leveraging and bringing in brilliant people. My co-board chairs have been on several SPAC boards. I've got a board of directors with great public company governance experience. They've done healthcare. They've done consumer at scale. They've done all the things I haven't done. I'm the rookie quarterback in our first Super Bowl, but they have the experience that I can lean on and get coached by and guided by. And I have the tenacity and dedication Mm -hmm. to work. So, I guess the answer to your question is I never viewed it as I was in it alone. Mm-hmm. I was very, very, very intentional about bringing in people mm-hmm. with far more experience and far more uh, domain experience in particular than I, who were extremely talented, whom I deeply admired, who, you know, blessedly were willing to lend their time and talent to what we were doing and are mm-hmm. now still, and they help coach and guide me. And um and then, you know, pulling a great team where, again, I said this before in, in this conversation, I'll say it again. I say this in every independent director role I have. Mission, vision, values. So simple, so obvious. Mm-hmm. Are we all in this for the same mission? Do we bring, are, are we aligning behind mine or someone else's vision mm-hmm. that we all have clarity around and we have shared values? Because if we do, while we're rowing, then we're rowing to the same place in the same direction. There will be hurricanes, God forbid, tsunamis, there will be all sorts of oars will break, Mm -hmm. canoes will get leaky. I could go on and on with the metaphors, but if we're all in this for the right reasons and we're rowing to the same place and we're doing so in harmony, Mm -hmm. then there's a a fighting chance we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And that, that is to me, in any of the things I've done, no matter which lane I've been in, that has been the guiding principle, the, you know, shared mission, vision, and values. And then- the rest of its strategy, execution, competitive right. finance, game, team, you know, all that good stuff. Mm, I love that. And what what brings to mind for me is the power of community and really leveraging the resources in that community and building strategic and powerful relationships. Um, can you, one more last question before we go into the lightning round. The power of community, because you've used that, right? And you talk about, you know, being coached and guided and constantly learning. Um, one of the things that, you know, for the women who go through our programs, they always get tripped up a lot on the idea of leveraging their community for personal, I mean, for professional reasons, right? They may lean on their community for personal things, you know, have these relationships, but there's always this feeling of like, you know, I'm being deceitful for building a strategic relationship to like, you know, tap this person or ask them for help. Can you talk a little bit about that and about the power of community and how, you know, just the the reciprocity that you build? Um, and then how do you like, 
how do you even ask them for help? Right. So, so it's, it's one of those things where we, t- women hear it like the power of community, but then they're like, well, you know, how do you actually activate that? Yeah. I mean, I think it obviously depends on the person, but I, community can be super small, like, mm-hmm. you know, your fellowship with your spouse and your nuclear family. And it can be super broad, like classmates with whom you went to a university and it can be, your tribe of girlfriends, it can be, you know, groups with whom you have loosely affiliated connections like YPO and all, all and everything in between. I have found that when you beca- develop a personal relationship with someone, even if it's professional, meaning you, you ask them questions about who they are and you have kindred mm-hmm. spirits or souls or experiences in certain ways, and a, the beginning of a relationship, of a caring relationship is, is developed, we are all whole people. Mm-hmm. We are not you know, avatars where this avatar is in the blue suit and this is the human, right? We are human beings where I show up at work as a CEO and Mm -hmm. a mom and a wife and a a daughter and the rest of the, and and the rest of the adjectives. So, so why do I, and pronouns. So when I end up in a close relationship with someone, like one of my very favorite girlfriends in the whole world is Marissa Mayer, the former CEO of Yahoo. I admire her profoundly. In many ways, she's been a mentor even though she's only a few mm-hmm. years older, but she's also now a close friend. Mm-hmm. And I had written the book that we talked about and mm-hmm. leadership life hacks. And I knew I had, I had dreamed she would write the intro and it took me quite a while to ask. And this is like a really close friend. And mm-hmm. finally I asked her, she said, of course. And then because of my sheepishness, we turn, you know, and asking her late, she did it. And it's awesome. It's probably if people listen and read nothing else in the whole book, read her intro because it's five pages and she's an extraordinary writer in addition to everything mm-hmm. else at which she's extraordinary. Um, you know, I we turned it in too late to have her name on the mass tattoo as intro by, which is my own foolishness, right? So by not having the courage to do it sooner, I shot myself in the foot and she was awesome and the intro is great mm-hmm. and great there. Name or no name on the masthead. That looking back was a huge act of generosity by her. Huge. Mm-hmm. But I don't look back and feel she did me a huge, it was a huge gift to me and I'm forever grateful, but I don't look back and feel like it was a mercenary moment in our relationship. I asked a dear friend for Mm -hmm. a favor. And because that dear friend is an extraordinary person, it was her great pleasure to do it for me. Hmm. And so I, and, and, you know, I hope to be able to provide her as a close friend, you know, same type of support over time, but in terms of, you know, I don't know if the equal arm balance is always equal in a given relationship and showing up for people in different matters in different ways for different people. But similarly, I get asked by students all the time for mm-hmm. advice and career advice and introductions and this. And if that person has taken the time to manage the relationship with me in such a way where I'm invested in his or her success, mm-hmm. I know the different points in the journey. I care about what has happened. I've been somewhat helpful or trying to be helpful in terms of different ways their path may twist and turn. And then they come up a year or two or five later and say, hey, would you would you mind doing X? Would you mind being this reference on a call? Would you mind referring me to this board? Would you mind X or Z? It's, it's not even a favor. It's, of course, I want you to succeed and I want you to be satisfied in your own life. And it'd be my pleasure to invest some time in doing that for you. Mm. So it's not, I don't think of it as tit for tat. And I certainly don't think of it as, I mean, there are ways you can be transactional in a relationship and, and that is usually a very quick 
you know, it's usually a very quick path to low quality relationships. Right. I believe in the old Silicon Valley saying, if you want money, ask for advice. And if you want advice, ask for money. Mm. Meaning I really try to show up for people and asking them to give me input and guidance and, and feedback. And then if over time that evolves into something more like an investor investee relationship or a mentor mentee relationship, like all of that can happen on its own, but I don't, people aren't little targets to me bopping around the metaverse. They are human beings in whom I have, when, when there's a relationship that's developed, then I really, 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 it, it is a natural extension of that relationship to ask sometimes for something in a way that's helpful to you. And sometimes people will say yes, well, mm-hmm. so I'd be happy to invest that, you know, million dollars in this, you know, harebrained spec idea you have. And someone will say, no, I really can't do that right now, but I wish you nothing but the best. Could I make an intro to someone who might be able to, mm. but it's not asking for help and support is if someone's invested in you as a person, a lot less scary than otherwise. Mm. I love that. I love how you explained that. It's so tangible. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So Let's move on to my favorite part of, of this. The, the lightning round questions are always so telling. So I love I love to dive into these. But um, first and foremost, what book has greatly influenced you? Personal History by Catherine Graham. Mm, that's a good one. Yes, it is. What is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Um, I the, the, the one of the year of 2023 is if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Hmm. Yes, I love that dream figure. I also love the Winston Churchill quote that is in the book, but I, I say it all the time. Uh, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Mm, that's phenomenal. I, that is one of my favorites. And you, oh, I always forget it. And when I hear it every single time, it's like, ah, oh, yes, that's the one you can't like, you can't put down. It is painfully, awesome. honestly true. Yes. What is one word or moniker you would use to describe yourself? Persevering. Persevering. Love it. What is one change, habit, behavior, action that you implemented that made your life better? Patience. Mm. Ongoing virtue virtue in progress. (laughs) I love that. Yes. And then finally, what power song would be playing as you walked out onto stage getting ready to address Thousands of people. What's your power song? Oh, I love I love you too. Is pride in the name of love. Love oh. it. Love it. Puts me in a good mood. I love it. That's going to be. We always what we love to do is take our um, our guest power songs and make a playlist and then like. Oh, share that's it. awesome! Like I want so we'll, the playlist. Yes, we'll, we'll share the playlist with you. That I one's want that be as awesome. a as a follow up to this. Thank you. That's a killer idea. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa, for being on um, the podcast. You have shared so many pearls of wisdom. And I know that this question is going to come up because it happens all the time when you when we have somebody who's given such sage advice is how can they follow you? How can they learn more from you? Um, and I know that you you have your book. You also have an amazing newsletter that everybody needs to get you know plugged into. So can you tell them what's the best way to connect, reach out, get on your newsletter and sure. learn more about your book? Very kind of you to ask. So alyssarap.com, A-L-Y-S-S-A-R-A-P-P.com, sign up for the newsletter weekly. Hacks, the newsletter in your inbox. Uh, Leadership and Life Hacks is available on Amazon. So is it's Compending Edition, Hacks for the New World. 
best places and easiest places to get them. And uh, if you want to do probably the, my, if you were asking what's the best way to consume the content, yeah. um, the newsletter is easy, but I read the auto, Valerie Jarrett gave me the wise advice to read the audible, read the book, the audio book yourself. So on audible, you can find it. And I, I read mm. myself and and you can always speed up on Audible, you see. Yes. So if you don't want to listen at I speak quickly <laughs> and read quickly, but if it's too slow, zip along or through subjects. So Audible is probably my um final recommendation of where to where to get it. Well, fantastic. And I know I will be audibling. That's 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 my preferred form of learning. Um, and sometimes I do love the fact that I can speed up. Um, you know, some we you have some people who read and they're, it's so slow. So it's it's nice that you can control it. But um, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. You shared some valuable pearls of wisdom and insight. And I I can't wait to dig into the book. And I'm already on your your uh, news the newsletter for hacks, and I love them. So it, it's for, for our listeners, it's definitely one of those that you want to sign up for. Thank you, and, very um, kind. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate yes. the opportunity to join you. Well, thank you, Alyssa. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.